0: While well, you're turning there, I have a question for you to consider. You don't have to raise your hand to answer. Uh, but as an adult especially, but maybe as a child, but have you ever felt abandoned or forsaken? Some of the other words we might use for that are deserted or rejected or being alone. Uh, and it may be that you feel like you have been or maybe you currently are or it may be actual sometimes people feel forsaken or rejected and it's not true it's just how they're something they're going through something they're feeling and sometimes it is actual they have been abandoned or forsaken have you ever faced something like that maybe you're facing something like that right now I thought about, when I was preparing this message, I thought, oh my, I hope people don't think I'm preaching this because my wife's gone for the weekend. Um, she might be watching, I don't know. It has nothing to do with that, believe you me. Uh, but uh, sometimes, you know, we, uh, in life, there are things that happen, people maybe that we trusted, people that were good friends or someone, and we feel this way. In Second Timothy chapter four, I'm going to start there reading at the very beginning of the chapter, just for the context. It says I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So Paul here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is speaking to Timothy, and he's giving him some instruction. He's focusing on the church and his concern for that. And then he says to Timothy, But watch thou on all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So he kind of shifts from the church there over to Timothy and he gives some instructions and then he starts to talk about something going on in his own life. He says, For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me <clears throat> excuse me, a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul here is using somewhat of a athletic analogy to show what's going on in his life. And there's different ways of looking at that ready to be offered. There's one translate, translation that talks about his Life is ebbing out, I believe is how it says it. That is, life is ebbing out. It's, it's going to be gone soon. Another translation talks about it being poured out like wine, basically, as an offering. It's actually kind of a, refers to the idea of, a, of an offering here, or a sacrifice that is taking place, that it, his life is about over, and he knows it. And so he's facing this. But he looks back at his, his life and I believe he regretted the things that happened before he became a Christian, but after he became a Christian, I don't think he had any regrets. He says here that he's fought a good fight, he kept the course, and he kept the faith. He finished the course. There was a course for Paul to run. He run that course, he run that race, and... It's about over now. And I like, and I think you've heard me say this before, but the Greek puts a little bit different emphasis on the words. Not so much the emphasis on, I have fought a good fight, or I have kept the course, or I have kept the faith, but a good fight I have fought, or I have been involved in. A worthy fight. A worthy course I have run. And the faith, the faith, that saving faith, I have kept. The emphasis is a little more on that rather than just on what he's done. But the fact is, he did say he's done these things, and, and I don't think he regretted it at all. Compared to some who, and I might ask you, on your deathbed, or if you were facing most likely execution within the next short period of time, would you say, you know what? I just I wish I'd have just kept the faith, or I wish I'd have stayed on the course that God gave me to run, or um boy, my fight wasn't worth much. I, I didn't do much for the Lord. I I failed. Would you would at that time would you look back over your life with a life of regret? Or would you look at it and say, Praise the Lord, I did what God asked me to do, and if it means I die for it, then I die for it. That's just the way it is. And it was worth it, and I've kept it. But sometimes, when we come to a point of feeling somewhat abandoned or forsaken, it's not usually when things are going extremely well. It's usually at times of stress or disappointment or facing something that looks pretty big. I don't know what it would be like to be in prison for the Lord, facing likely death, and how, how that would weigh on you. Now, he did say, for me to die is gain, to be present with the Lord, absent from the body... But here he is facing this, and I wonder if that played into his, what he's going to say a little bit later here in in this passage. I wonder if that had anything to do with it, the fact that here he is facing this, and suddenly he he says some things that are interesting. Before we actually go there, I would like for you to turn with me back to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians is written, likely, from this prison cell. And when he gets to the end of that, he shares some personal things. I think I'll start reading at verse 7. Kind of the end of the letter here. He says, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Now keep in mind, if you, uh, he's writing this from likely the same place that he's writing to Timothy. And notice the people he mentions and talks about. He says, uh, whom I have sent unto you, verse 8, for the same purpose that you might know your estate, and he might know your state and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, fellow prisoner? Yeah, he's there too, apparently. Um, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. Now, it's interesting, in Timothy, he's saying, bring him with you when you come. So this may be written a little later. Then in verse 11, it says, And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, these only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, also laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis. Then he says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Now, he also mentions Demas later in Philemon. We'll not turn to there. Philemon, verse 24. Just keep that in the back of your mind. They greet you, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. When this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of Laodiceans, and that likewise you read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds, grace be with you, Amen. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. It's amazing how he cares about these churches, even in his situations and and so forth. Now, Philippians may have been written from another time of imprisonment, uh, possibly even Ephesus. We're not sure exactly. But there are some reasons to believe that there was a possible imprisonment at Ephesus as well. But nevertheless, notice some of the things he says here about people, um, starting in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at the last your care of me hath flourished, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Keep that in your mind, the idea of feeling abandoned or forsaken. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate or help me with my troubles. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And he goes on and continues to talk about that. And then he says in verse uh, 21, um, says, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household which would make the possibility here of a Roman imprisonment, perhaps more likely. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, and I'm re- reading these passages to kind of give us a little bit of a preface for Paul and what he was going through and the people there that he was with at the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, notice, but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus and the life also of Jesus might be made, manifest in our body. I just wanted you to notice that passage, that verse there where he says, but not forsaken. Let's go back now to 2 Timothy chapter 4 And starting at verse 9, again, he's talking to Timothy here, and he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Remember, we just read when he said Demas, he, he, he said he was with him, and he, he was, saluted him. A good man. And now he's looking at Demas and something happened. And he says, Demas hath forsaken me. He loves this world more than he, than he loves the church or loves me or something. And he's left. Now it doesn't say in the passage that, he, that Demas hath forsaken Christ or forsaken the gospel or something. But it does say that he has a love for this present world. There was something going on that concerned Paul But he specifically mentions that Demas hath forsaken me, and he left. He went to Thessalonica. I don't know what he was doing there. Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now, if I would understand it, those last two were doing the work of the Lord. They, They weren't, but they were gone. Paul was feeling alone. Even Someone had left, and he felt like was loving the, this present world. A couple of others were leaving, and whatever they were involved in. And then in verse 11, he says, Only Luke is with me. Only Luke. My dear friend Luke is still with me. Only Luke. And then he says, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to, uh, to me for the ministry. Then he says, Antikychus have I sent to Ephesus. So someone there he actually sent away. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, and when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, and especially the parchments. And then he goes on and he talks about Alexander the coppersmith. Perhaps that's why he was in prison. Alexander had betrayed him or something. We don't know for sure. But he said, Alexander the coppersmith did... Be much evil, the Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Now notice verse 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. So apparently when Paul went before the authorities the first time, and gave his, what we would say here is his apologia, or a verbal defense, he went there and probably would have liked to have had some people somewhere there with him, encouraging him. And he said, all men, everybody forsook me and left me on my own. Everybody did. So I wonder if when Paul is here... And he realizes that it won't be long until he's going to have to give another answer. He's going to go before the authorities again. And he begins to see people leaving and gone. And Demas has forsaken me. And these people went here. And these people went there. And only Luke is with me. It could be that his previous experience was weighing heavy on him now that this is what happened before why is it going to happen again and I would like to tell you this morning be careful about that that you don't allow previous experiences where someone forsook you or you felt abandoned or you felt like they had left you on your own and you were all alone in something don't take that experience and just assume the next time something comes along, it's going to happen the same way. Because if it does, you'll probably feel abandoned and forsaken before it even happens. And then even if there is someone there, you're going to, ah, everybody's forsaken me. It's just, I've been here before, I've done it, I've seen it. This is what always happens. When I get in a situation like this, it always happens. Everybody's gone, I'm on my own. I don't know if Paul sensed that or not. I don't, want to put, I don't want to make Paul out to be this guy that was making a, a mountain out of a molehill. But I, I, I wonder if sometimes that's what happens to us at least. That previous experience dictates more how we feel about a situation than the actual facts of that situation we're currently in. Maybe not, but it may have. But I want you to notice something in verse 17. Right after he says, But all men forsook me. In verse 17 he says, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And then he says, the Lord shall deliver me out of every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I realize sometimes, and we'll talk about this in just a little bit, sometimes we we say, well, the Lord's with them, I'm sure the Lord's going to help them, whatever. But as important as that is, the Lord wants to work through his people and be with people, and strengthen people, and help people. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But Paul, even in that sense, when, when everyone else had forsaken him, everyone had, for, had left him on his own to stand before some Roman authority, possibly Nero himself, and everybody's gone, and Paul said, you know what? But Christ was there with me and strengthened me. And if you're going through something this morning or or you do in the next number of months or whatever, you feel abandoned or forsaken, just remember that the Lord can give you the strength you need. Too often when we depend on people for our strength, we're let down. But God gives us that strength. Turn back to the book of Mark. So Paul went before the authorities. Everyone had abandoned him. And I don't know what that must have been like. He says that the Lord delivered him out of the mouth of the lion. And we don't know if that was an actual physical lion that he had to fight with. And like Daniel, the Lord just tamed that lion and nothing happened. Or was he making a reference here to possibly Nero or some authority that he didn't want to put his name in writing because it wouldn't be a good thing. And so he just says, out of the mouth of a lion. Whatever it was, the Lord delivered him out of a very tough situation. We go back to Matthew chapter 14 and we go to verse 50, Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, verse 50. Actually, I think I'll start reading at verse 48. Jesus answered and said unto them, Are you come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. And all and they all forsook him and fled. All of them forsook him and fled. Now, the closest ones that night that we can tell from the scriptures of his disciples that were with Jesus during his trials were John and Peter. And Peter denied that he ever knew him anyway, so a lot of help he was. And John was close enough to see what was going on, but we don't see any place where John went right up to those people that were trying Jesus and said, hey, listen, you know good and well why you're doing this. You're wrong and you know it. He didn't do that. And I think that's why the Scripture can say that everyone forsook Jesus. Everyone. There wasn't anyone that stood with Him in His trials. It was no one. And then if you go over to chapter 15 verse 34, A passage that's quite hard to understand. You go back to Psalm 22, you can see the reference there. So chapter 15, 34 says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is, being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken by his father? So when Paul went before his authorities, he said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? even beyond anything that Paul could have experienced. So Paul and we have the Lord Jesus Christ to stand with us, to be with us at all times, to strengthen us and give us the strength and the courage we need, even if forsaken by other people. And it goes along with the book of Hebrews, and I know sometimes I I reference this passage on occasion, Hebrews chapter 4, if you'd turn to that. I wasn't sure if I'd turn to that this morning, but I believe I will. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Where he says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a high priest that can be touched with not only our weaknesses, but our feelings about our weaknesses. Why? Because He was tempted in all points like we are. If you're feeling forsaken this morning or abandoned or somehow rejected in that way, just remember Jesus experienced it. He knows what it's all about. He He felt it. That's why we can come to Him. And that's why I believe if you turn over a few chapters in the book of Hebrews here to chapter 13, which is a wonderful promise Hebrews chapter 13 and we'll start in verse 5 let your conversation or your life be without covetousness and be content with the things that you have for he has said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee he will never forsake us so that we may boldly say the lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's why I believe Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I was forsaken. You may forsake me, but if you come back to me in repentance, I will not forsake you. I'm not, you're not just going to be going through life and suddenly the Lord forsakes you. Others may forsake you, You may have a Demas in your life that takes off because he's more interested in the world than what he is in sticking with you. You may be forsaken by someone. You may be rejected by someone. You may have uh, someone abandon you, but Jesus Christ will not because he's been there. He's experienced it in the flesh. He was here and experienced it, and he knows what it's like. In Proverbs it says, A man that hath friends must show him self friendly. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I think of people like maybe David and Jonathan, or even Paul and Luke here. And that's where I want to come back around and say, maybe this morning you're saying, well, that, this message doesn't, I don't feel forsaken. I don't feel abandoned i got good friends, good family, good spouse, good whatever, children, parents. I'm fine, thank you very much. Well, someday you may, but maybe not. But let me ask you a question. Are you a fair-weather friend to people? Or are you like a Luke or a Jonathan, or someone that's going to stick it out when things aren't so good? Jesus strengthens us. Jesus was there. Anyone can go to Jesus at any time, boldly to the throne of grace, say, I need your strength. I need your help. I've got no one. We should do that even if we have people. But I want to encourage all of us that sometimes it may be you, it may be me, and I'm sure I have missed many opportunities, where Jesus wants to wants to work through us and maybe strengthen a brother or sister because we come alongside someone and say, hey I know you're going through a tough thing, tough time and I'll go with you all the way, whatever call me any time, call me any day doesn't matter what time of day or night it is oh, you've got to This thing coming up or this thing coming up, I'll be with you. And we stick with them. And it gives them that strength that they need. One of the reasons I read some of those passages of Paul talking about those different people that were with him and people that went here and people that were there. Although at his first answer no one stood stood with him, it does seem that he did have a lot of people that cared about him in his life. And right at this time, he may have not felt a lot of that. They were all off doing their thing, and here he is pretty much alone. Luke was there. His first answer, no one was. They all forsook him. It says, let's not leave people in a position where they could say, all men forsook me, or all women. I I had no one. Let's not let that happen to anyone. Rather, let's be the type of person that someone can say, wow, they're the type of person that sticks closer than a family member. Even They're that type of person. Because that's who Jesus wants to work through often. But I do want to remind us that Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly come to the throne of grace. And we can do that anytime. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being the kind of God that walks with us, works with us, and sticks with us, doesn't forsake us. And God, help us to be the kind of people that do the same for others. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that is feeling forsaken or somehow deserted or abandoned, Lord, that you would just give us eyes to see that. So we could reach out and care for those people. Help us, Lord, to be the type that just sticks closer even than a brother. Lord, I just pray for this brotherhood and those visiting as well. If there's anyone, Lord, that's feeling this way, God, just work in their hearts. Help them to feel your strength, especially. um, Even if we can't see it, Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 527. Number five hundred twenty seven. Number five hundred twenty seven.